You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It's time for a very special Mental Health Monday. This is mm-hmm. our last Mental Health Monday for the season with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman and something really exciting to share. Um, as she has a new book. We're so excited to share it with you today. Mm-hmm. Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, it is so good to have you with us. And thanks so much for just a wonderful, a wonderful season of all the the helpful things you've shared with us in mental health. And now it is time to to celebrate a great book that uh, that you've written to share with our listeners. Yeah, I think I, um, you know, uh, brought it up enough times in <laughs> the last year of Mental Health Mondays. But part of that is just that this concepts that we're dealing with in Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration are so um, overarching in our mental health concerns and our relational health concerns that the concept of brokenness And that idea of the desire for hope, the need for hope that we have in our daily lives, uh, that longing for God's restoration are really fundamental to our mental health and impact so much of it. So I know the listener um, is likely uh, either tired of hearing about it or ready (laughs) just finally to get the book in their hands and, um, you know, read all of the things that we've been referencing this year. (laughs) And we could probably talk about this book for three hours because there's so much in it. But uh, we're going to do like the overview so that people will Mm -hmm. want to go buy it and read it. So how do we all experience brokenness? In what ways do we all experience brokenness? Sure. In the book, I propose that there are are four ways that we uh, interact with brokenness in our lives. And I really think the language of brokenness is really helpful. Now, there's a little cultural pushback from this um, concept of brokenness. I've seen realms where people are using it like wildfire in (laughs) um, uh, psychological health and in mental health places. And then there's also places where people are like, no, you're not broken. Like, don't say that. Um, And so I think that we land in the middle as we do in so many ways as Christians and biblical uh, readers is that we experience brokenness as sin uh, in ourselves, that we're sinful people. Uh, The problem comes if that's the only concept we have of brokenness, then there's a lot of shame with that. And so uh, we want to also identify these other three areas of brokenness in our lives and, and how brokenness impacts us, that it is something outside of us as well. And actually, even that sin inside of us is um, our responsibility, but also outside of our control in some ways. Uh, And that's really powerful because that gets us to repentance with no shame. Uh, That gets us to guilt and that momentary weight of the mistakes that we've made, but letting God's grace in instead of otherwise we want to turn away from God's grace because it's too much. Uh, We think it doesn't fit us, that we're not good enough, we're not worthy enough, and all of those not enoughs. And so the other three areas of brokenness are the sin in other people and how that comes into our lives. You know, we see this biblically in many, many relationships, and we see it in our own life in many, many relationships. The third way we experience brokenness is just sin in the world, that it 
it is a process of disintegration um, that the creation itself groans as if in the pains of childbirth uh, for Christ to come again because it's impacted by brokenness. The stars in the sky, the grass under our feet are impacted by brokenness just as we are. And then the fourth one is really the one we focus on in the book a lot, which is our awareness of brokenness. That when Adam and Eve ate the fruit on the tree, one thing that changed was their awareness of their own vulnerabilities and the way that they viewed those vulnerabilities in their life. And so we're going to work through how our awareness of brokenness impacts us and why it's important to then call brokenness by name in our life, because then that awareness is coming to the conscious instead of the unconscious. And we're we're no longer stuffing it (laughs) down inside (laughs) of ourselves where it causes all those things like inflammation and struggle and uh, deep depressions and all of that really junky mental health stuff. Uh, Instead, we want to process this concept of brokenness in ourselves with God, but then also with each other. So you've identified these areas or types of brokenness. Why why is it helpful? Well, you can choose. Do you want to address when or why? Because there's so much here to unpack. (laughs) When or why to Mm -hmm. identify these areas of brokenness. When is it helpful or why is it helpful? Why? Yeah, I think the why really is in what we just said, which is that shame. Uh, we Shame, I think we for so long have believed that it has a place, but when it says there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ, that tells us a different story. And when it says that uh, he took shame to the cross, you know, he went to the cross despising its shame, that is a fuller idea than... I think we've played around with and understood in scripture. Uh, And I highly recommend John Kleinig's commentary of Hebrews from the Concordia Commentaries, if you're interested in that concept. Uh, But yeah, that's the why is because that shame is not of Christ, (laughs) that he has a different story and a different plan for us. And that's restoration. And to get to the restoration we need to look brokenness in the face. You know, we have to look at sin in ourselves and other people, but just this this idea that our world is hurting and that it's hard. Uh, a lot of people's primary question, especially when they become young adults who grew up in the faith is, well, wait a minute, I know God, but I'm not really sure I like him. You know, I'm not sure he has my good uh, in mind. And so it really, the idea of brokenness and confronting it helps us confront those questions as well and walk through them to get to hope and restoration instead of, like I said, stuffing them down and ignoring them. And then we're just separated from God of our own accord. Uh, The when is number one, in our own lives every day, right? I walk out the door, I listen to the news, I pop on social media, I'm going to see brokenness. And so having that language for it and being able to call it a thing helps us keep away from either apathy because it's just so tiring, we can't even deal with it, or overzealous idea that I am responsible or I need to always be the person to do something. You know, we want to, again, land in the middle where we believe that God is active and working and also we get to be a part of that. Um, That way the weight isn't as heavy. We're not carrying it around. When we carry around the weight of brokenness without naming it and identifying it, we throw it out on other people often um, or we do like shove it back down a lot of times too. So the other time that it's really helpful to identify brokenness is when we feel that weight. Uh, very difficult times in our uh, family relationships, 
when we experience a trauma, when we experience loss, when we experience um, community violence, um, any of those things of brokenness, especially that we can't just look in the mirror and say, wow, I messed up. Uh, brokenness is very helpful for those times when we notice that humanity's messed up or that the earth itself is messed up. That's really going to be useful. And so I think oftentimes, actually, we're going to identify brokenness for other people uh, to be able to say, that's really challenging. That's really hard. Um, That sounds like brokenness. And uh, can I tell you about that a little bit so that we can get to the hope? Uh, because if you, as soon as you mention that word sin, a lot of times it's a little much for people when they're hurting and they're already feeling the weight of the law. Um, instead, brokenness gives us some different language to begin entering into that conversation. And we'll get to that other stuff later. Mm-hmm. So throughout the book, you have uh, some places where you identify and uh, define some terms. What are those those words? Why is it important for us to to have those words defined as we're working through this book? Yeah, we want to be on the same page. Um, so <laughs> often we use really big abstract words like brokenness <laughs> or community or connection or vulnerability. Uh, but I mean one thing and you mean another. And mm-hmm. so that helps us get on the same page to be able to then take in the words uh, and, and understand where we're at. It's also comforting to have a definition for something because Vulnerability is valuable, but in itself is discomforting. It it throws us off a little bit. It makes us uh, aware uh, that we are um, disintegrating, if you will. And that language you'll discover a little bit more about in the book. But having some firm foundation uh, in Christ, then in a definition that includes Christ, I think gives us the ability to to walk into the brokenness feeling a little bit more sure-footed, if you will. Hmm. Working from the same lexicon is how I've. I've mm, that's good. When you're talking, you know, talking about being on the same page, working from mm-hmm. the same lexicon, so that, uh, yeah, so we're all on the same page that we understand the terms. Even I think this is one of the probably the biggest challenges we face in our society today as we become more and more globalized is that we're not all operating from the same lexicon. We're not mm-hmm. all communicating using the same lexicon. And so think about even something as simple as the word love. What does it mean to love someone or to mm-hmm. some, love something? Um, how challenging that is uh, to be even loving. So confusing today in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, what one person calls loving, another person calls hate. It's so so challenging. So thank you for for having those definitions of terms as you <laughs> as you as you wrote this book and so as we worked through it having those so that yeah so that we're all working on the yeah, from the same from the same lexicon we're all on the same page we have more to talk about with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in her new book Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration from Concordia Publishing House you can find it at cph.org we'll share the link in the notes today as well we have more to talk about we we'll back in just a moment you're listening to the coffee hour i'm Andy Bates i'm Sarah Golseth You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, 
It's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman about her new book, Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration from Concordia Publishing House. You can find it at cph.org and lots of other places as well. We'll share uh, more information about that in just a little bit. But Heidi, I'm enjoying this conversation. I enjoy, I have enjoyed reading the book. I still have a little bit more to read in the book. So um, so obviously we can't give it all away today because I haven't <laughs> read the whole thing, uh, but I have more to read. But let, let's back up to to that. What was the, what what prompted writing this book? Why, why was it important for you to write about brokenness? Mm -hmm. So I started writing notes for this book and the concept of this book about three years ago. And one thing that happened was uh, my own life. And then also in working with clients and doing a lot more traveling to speak to different people, there was a common refrain in all those areas. And that was um, that, things just felt really messed up and hopeless. Like the the center of the hopelessness was that things universally felt messed up and we felt powerless to do anything about it. Um, and so just trying to understand that scripturally, and I wrote Mighty and Mysterious, especially about some of the brokenness I was seeing in the church on earth. And then um, God's creation is part of the Colossians message. And so as God does, he just keeps pointing you to what he wants you to see till your scales fall off your eyes. Um, and I was really thankful that over time, as I started writing notes and began to utilize the phrase brokenness. And uh, in my research of Genesis 2 and 3 and the hinge that is that um, the man and wife were naked and unashamed, Genesis 2.25, and then the immediate fall into sin, God's response to us of coming to find us as we try to hide ourselves, all those things started to work together. And I I think it just unfolded uh, the idea of brokenness and the ways that we experience it. The problem was, <laughs> I said this in the uh, CPH live recording the other day on Facebook, is I had about eight notebooks full of different mm -hmm. ideas and notes, and they didn't make a lot of sense to anyone but me. And so I had some different people who helped me, especially author Sarah Boffman is a writing companion of mine. And we sat and really made sure that it got into an outline <laughs> that could serve someone well. And then, you know, I think I went through a time of assault too, a spiritual warfare really that felt very much like this is never going to make sense and it doesn't matter. Like you're not saying anything new. There's plenty of other people saying this because it's not a new phrase really. And it's not a new way of looking at things. I think it's just something that we easily forget and that isn't at the forefront of our mind because we're so busy hiding in fig leaves when we see brokenness instead of letting God in to tend and bring us, you know, the animal skins to wear and bring us the white clothing of Christ's redemption. Um, those are always accessible to us. But I think sometimes that, again, awareness piece of brokenness, we aren't always engaged with. And so 
once I started writing and it, it was sensical, uh, and the book works through four uh, segments then of ways that we experience brokenness um, around us. And the first section is messes in me. And that's a very internal sense of brokenness and the way we experience it in integration and disintegration. And then the, it's like concentric circles. And then it works out and is messes in families. Then the next section is messes in communities. And that includes the body of Christ as well as other communities that we're in. And then the last section is messes in the world and the universe at large. Uh, and so that helped then give a focus and a lens. And so we really experience brokenness, especially in relationships. I mean, that's how we're created. We're relational beings. God's a relational being. Um, and so God comes into our brokenness. He's not a scared of our brokenness. I think I just said a scared. He's not scared <laughs> of our brokenness. Um, and that's wildly comforting for people is the thing. Like once I started talking about the book when I was writing it, every single person was like, I need this book and I needed it two days ago. Can you get me a copy? Um, I want to share it with a friend who's struggling because they need some language for what they're going through that helps them know that God isn't uh, shy about their struggles and he enters into their struggles. And so that's what I think we're going to see a lot as people work through the book. Um, whether they agree with everything I have to say, I never expect everyone to agree with everything I have to say in the book. I think that basic idea that uh, th hope will come because God enters in, that is a powerful thing for people to hear on repeat each day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and speaking about relationships and we talk a lot about relationships and our, our roles and our vocations with with the people around us a lot on mental health monday um what how does brokenness affect those relationships uh, of us and the people around us mm -hmm. wow it really does it doesn't <laughs> it, it, i i want to use a double net negative it never not affects mm -hmm. them um it it really is uh, something I think we want relationships to be so much better. And we think that health looks like perfection. And when mm. we don't experience that perfection, we're deeply disappointed. And some of that's just real. We should be deeply disappointed. We want the world to be a better place. There's a purpose in even that. And God works in that disappointment. However, I love how scripture says in the NIV translation of Romans 5, 5, hope does not disappoint. So mm. hope is what turns us to be able to interact with those relationships and do some of the work and put forth some of the effort and believe that it may not be perfect, but it's going to be better. And I better is worth working toward. Um, and that God does so much work in that. It's not just up to me. And we as Lutheran Christians have that language of grace alone. You know, by God's grace go I. I step into this challenging work of relationships. And that's one thing that you'll see in the book too, is the breakdown of the fall into sin in Genesis 3. And how uh, part of the curse is God telling Adam that he'll have to work the ground, right? Well, mm -hmm. a lot of our work is relationships. And it's going to feel like that toil of the ground in our lives. And so I think that helps us to normalize that a little bit, that this is just part of the way it is because sin exists in the world. Uh, my relationships aren't better than other people's, and they're not also worse. They just 
are. And so we're all working toward a place of more health uh, each day in our relationships. And I give some tools. You know, we talk about our emotions and identifying where we're at in those. Uh, We talk about um, childhood trauma and our family of origin and how that impacts our current experiences. And so the book is not without tools. (laughs) It's not all broad concepts and ideas. We'll also give some ideas for how to interact with that sense of brokenness in our lives. Can you unpack, not the whole book here, but um, (laughs) the whole thing, we don't have time to unpack it in this time, but where is Jesus in our brokenness? You'd mentioned God in our brokenness. Mm -hmm. Where's Jesus? What does he do in our brokenness or with our brokenness? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a gift to be Trinitarian. You know, it's such a gift to be able to see God interacting in so many different ways in our lives. And so redemption and restoration are two different things. And I think we accidentally couple them a lot into just redemption. So whenever our pastors give us the message of Jesus died for you and and rose again for you, that's a really important and powerful message. We also all need the message that Jesus is restoring, that because we are redeemed now, he is working on something else. And that is that now and not yet that we live in. And so we look for his restoration eventually, right? The fact that Jesus is coming back for us and making all things new is not small. That is huge. And I don't think we talk about it enough. I think we talk about heaven a lot too, like that that's the goal. When heaven is good and that's not actually the goal, um, Unless uh, you want to rearrange some language and call heaven restoration, which you might. It's very (laughs) theologically confusing. Um, But people don't have any idea, I think. Really, the basic population of Christians around us, and especially people marginally connected to Christ, don't understand that Jesus is coming back for them, and he has a plan and a purpose for that, and it is called restoration. Uh, That is what brings us hope, that the world won't always look like this. There's something better. And in that, God is restoring in tiny ways every day. That healing does come through Christ's death and resurrection. Because forgiveness exists in me, now it's going to be part of the whole world through God's people. And even as spring comes after winter and everything dies and rises again in that tiny way, God's restoration is active in my relationships and in my work here on earth. And so I'm going to see tiny ways all the time that Jesus is entering in and saying, I'm here. Don't forget, I'm coming back for you. This is a tiny piece of that I'm going to give you. You know, and we see that in the sacraments um, that God gives us, those physical pieces of restoration uh, in our churches, but He surely does it in all different places in our life. Um, And sometimes we need other people to point them out. You know, it's really hard to see uh, the places of restoration in our life, but it's a really powerful thing. And I think when you pick up the book, hopefully the different sections will speak to your specific place that you need to see restoration. Like one of them is written for you. You know, I (laughs) promise that was the goal. Yeah, looking through it, the, the, I noticed a couple sections. I was like, oh, that one, that one's definitely for me. I need to read that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's one of the ideas too. Like you can, you know, give the book or share it with a friend or something, but you can also just 
pull out something, uh, whether it's a section or a quote. Uh, there are several messages embedded. And I think, for instance, like childhood trauma and a definition for trauma that's a little bit broader than what we're used to, mm-hmm. that per- specific piece is going to be really helpful for someone, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did you have people in mind as you were writing this book? <laughs> you know, it's so interesting how... Um, God sat me down to write it, to do the actual writing of it during the pandemic. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think part of that was so that I was always looking broader. I was always able to look wider than my own life or a specific story that I had in mind. Um, and so that kind of makes its way in a little bit, not too much, just because I think there's so many things we experience, like the pandemic, where we're holding the weight of what it feels like to be human so often, that humanity is hard, uh, but God loves, deeply loves his humanity and is uh, saving it through Jesus Christ and also has plans for the restoration of all things. And so, yeah, I, I especially ended up dedicating the book to my mom. Uh, and you know, you can see that in the beginning of the book because my mom, as the, um, attribution says, knew the shadows of brokenness, uh, but held tenaciously to restoration and hope. Um, and I think that's still true. My mom struggles with dementia and I'm so thankful for, her stories now. Uh, but I also know that some of those stories aren't all easy. And so that is, uh, I think true for so many people, everyone has stories that are full of joy, but it's also time to share our stories that are full of hurt and brokenness so that people can see the hope of God working in them. And I think that's the time and place we found ourselves, especially that's the power uh, that God has given the church on earth uniquely now is that we can kind of have that revival, if you will, of sharing broken to restored as our resounding message so that the world around us, because man, that world around us, do they ever need hope now more than ever? How can we find your book, Finding Hope from Brokenness yeah. to Restoration? Yeah. You can always go to HeidiGaiman.com and under Books and Studies, you'll find a little link for Finding Hope and find out a little bit more about it. You can also um, at cph.org backslash Finding Hope, you will find a sample. Uh, you can download the first little bit if you would like to get get to know it a little bit before you commit. Um, you can find it uh, at your local independent bookseller. That would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I just actually found out from a friend, the website bookshop.com, they connect you with your local independent bookseller. So that's a great way to find it. Um, Amazon, of course, is the great mecca of all things books. Um, and it's kind of fun to watch it par- pop up in like my Target app and all these other places too, <laughs> that wherever books are sold, if you will. And there's a reader's guide in the back. And so people who are used to me writing Bible studies, this is not a Bible study, um, which was really fun uh, to do a different style of writing. Uh, But in the back, there is a reader's guide for individuals or groups uh, to use as they will. Very good. Very good. Finding hope from brokenness to restoration. Deaconess Heidi Gaiman from Concordia Publishing House. Heidi, thank you so much for sharing a wonderful season with us. Uh, I know you're going to take a a little time off, uh, well-deserved time off this summer. We look forward to more Mental Health Mondays with you in the fall. Thanks for this great book, too. 
I'm I'm looking forward to it. And you'll hear much more about brokenness in our season for Mental Health Mondays next year, too. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Don't